All right, EJ, I know most of your story, but the public might not, and this is our opportunity to share it. So uh, question one is, how do you fall into franchising? How did you even figure out that franchising existed? And then how did you enter the industry? I know it's a it's going to be long-winded, but I think it's important to frame up uh, this question. Yeah, I, I do my best to, to not keep it long-winded, but I, I often fail. So um, the joke, the joking answer is we read a book. <laughs> we read a book and a year later we were all, we were off to the races. No, um, that's the short answer. And there's an element of truth in that. But at the same time, we were aware of franchising. I was introduced to franchising, uh, even as early as high school. And so I, I through the years had a general understanding of it. Um, and it was something we were very cautious. We entered very cautiously. We did not do it haphazardly. Uh, we were somewhat late adopters to it. You know, we were in business 10 years before we franchised. We're pretty ambitious. Most things we, we choose to do pretty quickly. Franchising was something we were very cautious on. We expanded very rapidly corporate, you know, ourselves where we had the complete control of it. Um, but truly, you know, 2018, We've been in business six, seven years. We, we, my business partner and co-founder Josh, uh, he he read the book "Franchise Your Business" or something like that, and um, I he had me read it. I read about half of it. I'm kind of a slow reader. <laughs> it wasn't they didn't have an audio version, uh, but uh, I went back later on and read it. But no, we read the book and and we went we went for it. If you think back to that moment. You, you've made the decision to invest in franchising scoop. Is, has it hit what you expected at that point? If you were to go back in the time and say, what was your expectation of how this would go? Did it hit it or what was different on that process? That's a great question, Nick. Um, on one hand, so, so I, I look back and I remember it was actually August. So we're in August of 2023 right now, right at the end of it. It was mid to late August, 2019. And we had, we, we, August was when our FDD was ready. We were able to award territories and we got the first two people and the first three territories done by the end of August. And it was like, man, this is going to be easy. And, and then we later, by the end of the year, uh, awarded another territory. This was all within our network and really just through, I mean, not even really hardly talking about it. These are just our closest friends. And, and so barely even getting the word out. And, and we're thinking, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And then COVID hit and we did not lean into it. We wanted to make sure that our unit economics were going to work, that the models that we had spent the last 18 months planning out to ensure the success of our franchisees, uh, we wanted to make sure those were going to be, we're going to actually pan out and they did, but we paused for a year. So when I think about, to answer your question, uh, on one hand, yeah, it was a lot. It's it was it's been a lot slower than I would have guessed, and and a lot more expensive. But I guess that's the nature of all business, right? Uh, I think that's the answer that, that that's to be said with so much so, so many different things in business. Uh, at the same time, when I look back and where we're at now, and some of the milestones we've 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 made it to as an emerging brand, I I wouldn't necessarily change much. I'd do it again. In other words but it's definitely been a grind and more of a grind than that first few months might've indicated. I mean, I, I know you, uh, so I, I have uh, biased opinions on this, but if I were to zoom out, 
a few things that have happened with your business that I don't think many franchisors have done that whether they are paying dividends now, they eventually will. One is you set up a great resale structure as a part of your franchise model. And so if you think about what what is the biggest hurdle a franchisee has to overcome in becoming a franchisee, it's cash flow. Yeah. And so they've there's not a lot of bootstrapping when it comes to franchising. Like you're out your franchise fee, you're out your startup costs. And so the bills keep piling up and no money comes in versus when you're bootstrapping, you or I start our business, we start very tight and we make a little bit of money and we keep on reinvesting. But we're, we're starting here and going like this. They start here and go like this and then have to come back up. And so what you did very early on is you you set up a program where you're going to go and drive the revenue first and then flip the franchise. So I think that's that's deeply important. The other thing I just heard in 2019 was, hey, or COVID hits, hey, let's let's pause and perfect our foundation. Now, perfect our foundation was also like we took a long time before we franchise. So you've already spent all this time perfecting it. Now you just said, let's really focus in on the unit level economics. A lot of franchisors talk about it. They they sell a good game. But when you break it down and you really look at unit level economics, you're looking at what is the payback period on the initial investment. It's fairly long. And yeah. so, again, if the franchisee's funds continue to go like this and then it's a slow build back up to even, then along that time, you have a lot of emotional strain that's happening back on that individual that they have to continuously overcome. And so I'm giving you the credit here. I do think you've set up a really, really, really nice business. You set up a great business model. The widget happens to be you pick up dog stuff, but the business model, you could cross apply any type of business, an ice cream stand to a a mobile pet fur company. It doesn't matter what it is you plug that into this model and you've offset so many of the challenges that a franchise owner goes through. You're right. And, and I, we're learning that because we've, you know, we've got a really healthy mix now. Most of our fran- of our early franchisees and, and even, even some of our recent expansions are, are, are they're, they're stepping into a business. They're stepping into something that already exists. Uh, one of our one of our early franchisees says he he was you know he he didn't make his his investment back in the first week, but he was cash flow positive in week one, and every week since. Um, and, and the ROI is pretty good, you know, two and three years. Uh, and so so all of those things, and that's where we were in twenty twenty was we we needed to kind of still prove that. Um, but that's a unique model. Now we've also done as you well know, uh, some, some, the, the launches of brand new franchisees and, and you're exactly right. It's much more of a roller coaster, uh, both from a cost and investment standpoint, but also an emotional roller coaster. And, and, and we're, we're learning that as an, as we're, we're very much so a new and emerging brand in, in, in learning, uh, learning that and learning how to properly, uh, communicate and, and structure and, and work with our, our, franchisees, especially the new, the ones that are starting their business from nothing. When you look at all, all the different business models that you have scoop and then every other business that you're, that you're in, you're in the perceived, it might not be perceived as the sexy business. It's not like you own a a burger brand, but what you just said there, uh, in ROI is a two to three year payback on initial investment. Most restaurant brands are north of three years. Right. And so 
a smart business person would look at the business opportunity, strip out the product and say, well, wait a second, EJ, you've created something that is going to allow me to build wealth. Does it surprise you that more people that get into franchising don't have that pause moment to evaluate that when they're looking at what they want to buy? It, I think I, it, it surprises me in, in my experience has been, and that's been part of that extra grind that we weren't as aware of. It has surprised me at how, I mean, obviously I know how unsexy scooping dog poop is, but at the same time, it does surprise me at how quickly the fact that we're scooping dog poop, uh, what's the word? It, 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 it shades the opportunity behind it because you're right. The numbers and, and the, 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 the economics of a, of a poop business are actually quite good. Once you get it going, it does have a long ramp up. It's a longer ramp up uh, than other home service businesses that I've been, I've experienced or been involved in, but it also, it's so steady. There's so much, there's so many benefits to it in the long run. I think you've done a really nice job of like, you can look at, at the screen of, of elevating a brand in the category that you're in. Like if you were going to align a brand to picking up dog poop, it would not look good. And you've, you've elevated that up. So as a business owner, you could still be super proud of driving around that truck or the logo you put on your shirt. Yeah. Was that intentional? I got to give my, I got to give the credit to the brand and building it like it was to, to, to my co-founder, Josh. Uh, he, he did a fantastic job really from day one. I mean, literally our, our early conversations was like, okay, I had this idea cause I was mowing yards and I was seeing these competitors, these businesses scooping poop. And, but I could not think of a name or a brand. I couldn't envision any of it. And one of the first things was, okay, Josh, what's the name? Help, help, help. You know, you're going to name it. And, and, it, and it's obviously it's evolved from, it, it wasn't scoop soldiers from day one, but the brand itself is original from day one. And it was always dog tags as the brand it was. And, and so I got to give him the credit for it. Yes. I would say it was intentional in his, in his, with his vision. I didn't see it the same way. But it's it's out of all the different brands that I get to be a part of, it, it's definitely got a uniqueness. And it's kind of like having your kids. You can't pick your favorite. At least most parents don't. But but man, it's it's definitely got a lot of the traits that make it among my favorite. I know you as a person and, and if I had to use a word to describe you, I would use the word entrepreneur. If you Thank look you. at it, take that as a compliment. That is a compliment. Do you. Do you look at yourself in that same light and that the widget ends up being irrelevant, like that you want to create more widgets because you've operationalized a business model? Like, do you do you look at yourself in that same light? I mean, when people ask me whether, you know, I was just, for instance, at the emergency room in the doctor's office with this broken foot I've got here and why I'm sitting in this chair like I am. But, um, you know, people ask and that's kind of how I describe I'm an entrepreneur. Um I would say that's that's relevant. At the same time, one thing, and this maybe is overanalyzing it, but a lot of times I look at an entrepreneur as being somebody who really does like to create it and move on. Hmm. And I have yet to really fully move on. I can move on within my business. I can delegate. I'm actually, that's a skill set of mine that's, that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, uh, is I can happily delegate. But I haven't yet made uh, that move, at least in my journey, 
to making a full exit and then starting something again. And when I think of an entrepreneur in those, in, from that context, that's not something that up to this point, I'm fully, I mean, I love the idea of starting from kind of from scratch, but it's like, it's like my, my business partner and I've always joked, he would start stuff. I wasn't interested until there was something to play with. And that still somewhat is true. I, I do like to, I love starting it, but I really like to, to, to build and maintain what's, what's here. It's really fascinating. I, I, I haven't heard that, uh, that, that the true entrepreneurial moment is the moment that you've sold something and built something again. Uh, and again, maybe that's, I don't, wouldn't even I say like that's it. exactly how I would define it, but that's, that's one way I've looked at it is I've analyzed myself, uh, and, and how I might would define myself as an entrepreneur. Yeah. I, I think about myself in, in business and I, I have not exited a business yet. Uh, I have, I've created structures and plans to do so, but then I get to a point where I look at, at cash flow and opportunity yeah. and I'm, like, I'm not, I'm not ready to do it. I, I would keep, I want to keep writing this thing. Yeah. That's how I, uh, that's how I generally feel. I will say sense. like, if I, at this point in my life, the, the value of the dollar isn't what motivates me. It's the value of the game. Like I like the I like the puzzle piece of trying to figure out how to build sustainability. Yeah. And I look, if I if I if I were to zoom out, I could I could quit tomorrow and live a fantastic life for the rest of my life. So that that is a that is a benefit that I have in business that I've I've reached that point. But it's it's more about the 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 game or the exercise of the game. It's like it's like a board game to me, like Monopoly or yeah. Life or anything like that. Does that does that connect with you? Like you look 100%. at hundred percent. Everything you just said connects with me um, is it, to me. It's just fun. It's just fun. Is every day fun? No. Um, are, is every aspect of it fun? No, but the challenge of it is just fun. And I cannot possibly imagine. I, I, I I've gotten to the point where I could definitely have an element of freedom, like not have to do anything or have any real responsibility day to day. But I, I would be bored out of my mind. You know, people often talk, well, and maybe less so nowadays, but it used to talk about retirement. Are you going to retire early? You retirement, retirement. I, I, I joke by the definition, by the modern definition of retirement, I was retired a couple of years ago, you know, years ago. Um, I'll never retire more than I already am. Maybe I'll slow down, but of course this legs made me slow down a little bit, but um yeah, no, I very much so relate to everything you just said. Um, but I also want to keep going. Like to me, there's so much more that I could push myself to do. Uh, heck, being on camera and being be, doing this uh, and, and public speaking in general that that's something that I, I I don't necessarily like have this extreme desire and ambition. Like I must be a public speaker. Or I must speak. But at the same time, a lot of the all of the things I want basically require that. And so there's the challenge. Like now I have to learn how to, how to do that among many other things as, as I continue in my business journey. I think uh, in, in my own brain, I think of my, my devil and my angel, and they both sit on one of these, these shoulders and they tell me different things in business. Uh, what, what, what do your devil and angel say to you in business? Well, when I think I do actually use that analogy, oftentimes my my VP of business administration and one of my best friends, Jeremy, Jeremy, um, he I always joke, he's that angel. 
He's that that uh, I'm I'm a I'm an Eagle Scout. I'm a Boy Scout by many measures, but I definitely like to, you know, push where I can push. He's always been that. He's like that ultra, that ultra angel, if you will. Um, when I think in business, I'm not sure, Nick. Uh, I, I'm not sure what you mean. You'd have to almost articulate yours. What do you? Yeah, mean? I'll tell I'll tell you what mine are. Uh, the angel says, "Hey, Nick, life is short." like pause and, and, and respect this moment. And the devil's like, shut up, angel. We got shit to do. And it's like, let's just go and let's, let's keep pushing and changing okay. and evolving. And so it creates this tug and pull in my brain of like, I can look at, I could, I could read news that someone, you know, in their thirties passed away, a celebrity passed away. I'm like, man, that, that sucks. Like this thing could end at any point. So you got to respect, like, you got to find happiness in every moment. And then the devil's like, yeah, good that you just thought about that. But let's go figure out what the next thing is. And it, it almost skips over that moment. So that that's the tug. Okay, that I yeah, no, no, that that's very helpful. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So to me, what speaks to me there is balance. It's about finding that balance. And so uh, um, not to get overly uh, sappy, but uh, my mom passed away when she was a little younger than I am of cancer, you know, or mid 30s. And so I always, I only, I say that simply to say that when I, when I, I analyze that, I always look at that idea of, you know, you got to live a little, you got to take some risks, um, you know, but at the same time, you've got to find that balance with, you know, doing what you need to do. You can't, you can't, it can't be live and let live every single day just because, just because you may not have tomorrow. You've got a plan for tomorrow, but live today, I guess is maybe the right, the way to put it. And so, yeah, the, the devil and the, I like that. And I, I would say it's balance and it's a, it's something you, to me, I, I constantly have to be cognizant of because otherwise I'll end up living. I tend to live too far into the future and I don't, I, I you've got to, I got to ring that in. Yeah. And your consciousness has to help, help you navigate that balance. I mean, I, my perception of, of you as I've, I've got to know you is that family man and the family has to have a priority and the part Absolutely. of getting to that priority was uh the angel telling you learn how to delegate so that you're not doing everything let let go of some stuff and let let the process work itself out so that you can have the time exactly. to enjoy the things that you enjoy Absolutely. I mean, I was the, I mean, even when I was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago when I was early on building with my wife and I we've been married 14 years and I would tell her, you know, she'd ask me are you always going to work this much? And Sadly, I still work about the same 50, 50, 60 hours a week, nothing crazy, but nothing, nothing light either. But uh, at the same time, it was different kind of work back then. But, but I say all that to, to say, I used to tell her, no, I won't have to. And she didn't have a full understanding of that, but uh, of how that, how the, as a business owner, the time you invest today, it's not just spent today and gone. It's invested right. and, and you're getting that, you're getting that appreciation over time as a business owner. It's, it's one of the reasons I love business ownership and one of the reasons I'm in franchising. Yeah. I think about that statement. I mean, uh, I was driving, driving to work today and I'm thinking about all these videos that we've been creating. I said, look, if, if the only good thing that comes out of this is I've built a, a pathway of memories that great grandchildren down the line can yep. pull up any of these and see, how, how did Nick think? I, I don't have that privilege of having that access. Uh, I mean, I have some with my parents, but yeah. I don't have that beyond that. No, you know? you're exactly right. Our, our generation, our kids, um, 
our kids really, and and they're the the more we're going to be, we're the closest thing to uh, immortality that that probably humans will ever really see. In yeah. the sense that our grandchildren, a hundred years from our great grandchildren, a hundred years from now, can be literally watching our journey and learning from it, and learning from our mistakes, but also, of course, learning from from what we uh, our, our wins. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I want to I want to shift gears over to the vision um, on the business. But I, what what I think is valuable to anybody that's watched this much is I've always said that brands don't sell brands, people do. And so what we just went through is your viewpoint, your journey as as a human. And you hear family man, you hear entrepreneur, you hear uh, fighting for greatness, you hear returning to the foundation. And so a buyer is going to hear all that and say, I'm buying from EJ. Yes, and I've used this term, the, the widget ends up being irrelevant. In this case, it, with Scoop Soldiers, it's, it's picking up uh, dog poop. But now, now that we framed you as the person, what's, what's the vision for the business? And I don't want to put a time frame on it. I just want you to free, freestyle yeah. what the vision is. Okay. Well, bluntly speaking, uh, I, I believe that we're, we're an emerging brand, or excuse me, we're an emerging industry. And the beauty in, in being in an emerging industry, especially a pet oriented business, that's also built into home services. It really fits into two categories that are hot and that are going to continue to be really hot markets, regardless of what the economy may or may not do. Uh, long term, they're, they're, these are going to be hot markets. And so we're in an emerging industry. We're already uh, being we're among the we're the youngest out of the top three within our industry, the largest. Uh, we're the youngest, but we're also very clearly the, one of the most innovative. We're the only one that is still founder ran, as far as I know. Um, those two things alone have have an enormous amount of value when you're looking at a brand. Um, so founder led, uh, and then of course, obviously all the other, I, I mentioned, uh, but, but the other piece of it is the pet industry I mentioned, uh, excuse me, I lost my train of thought, Nick, but, um, the support we provide, that was what I was looking at our client care center, the way we're set up, you talked about how you can, how we, we kind of do a lot of that legwork. You can get a, an enhanced territory that's already established where we've really built up that client base. But the other beauty in our system is the client support, the way that we handle, uh, your back, your, 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 your administrative, your, your call center and, and so on and your sales and that sort of thing. It really allows you to work in your business or in your local area on your business from day one and not have to worry about hiring admin and, and the like. Yeah. And so the, the, the vision for the brand is to continue to build that foundation and continue to grow. And clearly, and I mean, you said it founder driven, automatically means there's a lot more juice in the squeeze and uh, yeah. you're going to put some more energy towards this. And, you know, uh, I think it's important to note, you have your first franchise conference coming up. So yeah. like you're, you're still building the foundation. And so you've, you've, I think one, one of the strongest things as a franchise or that you've, you've done is you, you've built the cash flow and the, and the back end of the business. So that allows you to put more tools into right. it than, uh, and maybe a franchisor that's scrambling because they, you know, they need the franchise fees to keep the lights on. And you've done some right. great. Yeah, no, we've we've reached definitely a point as an emerging brand that, that, as I understand, very few emerging brands ever, ever reach. But on top of that, because of our other home service businesses and the other businesses that we're in, we've got this really deep bench 
of talent and team members that allows us to be pretty fluid in, in making sure we're providing that support. You know, it's not just me and three other people or anything. There's a pretty deep bench there. Uh, case in point, we had an opportunity, uh, a rate, uh, I think a TV opportunity, thanks to y'all, I believe, uh, in Houston. But our franchisee down there just does not have the bandwidth to do it. We're able to get somebody down there in a matter of 48 hours. Our VP of communications is able to get down there, Ben, and, and, and knock it out. We've got a really deep bench of, of top talent at, at the corporate, you know, the corporate infrastructure, so to speak. Um, and it definitely shows. Not to mention, yeah, the, the growth, the goals we've got for the next one to two years. Uh, our focus is you back going back what I said we did in 2020. We, we, we're, we're royalty sufficient. We've, we've got well over, we got 15 franchisees. Our focus is, is back to unit economics. We want to be a whale in a pond and the pond being pet waste removal as an industry. It's, it's, not, it's not an ocean. It's dang sure not even a lake. It's a pond. But we want to be a whale in that pond. We want to be we and I believe we can. I believe the industry is still emerging and growing uh, the way that it is, uh, along with the resources that we we're able to point towards uh, uh, industry and brand awareness. That's our focus these next couple of years. Is again going back to unit economics, getting more clients for our franchisees and of course our corporate areas. EJ, I want to close on whatever statement you want for the ghost candidate, someone that's looking at the business and saying, maybe I'm interested. Tell them why they should fill out that form. Well, the reason you should fill out the form is, again, you're, get, you're getting into an opportunity that is still very hot from the standpoint of our brand. We're young, we're vibrant, we're energized, we're innovative. We think uh, in that way and in that progressive way, but at the same time, uh, the industry is still ask five people that own pets. Half of them are not even going to know the industry exists. Yeah. That right there is opportunity. And that's probably what I should start at that answer with. Well, and I, I think your statement of be, be the whale in the pond is a, is a great analogy or yeah. be a really, really, really fat dog in a puddle. Exactly. One of the two. I love that fat dog in a puddle. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> love it. There it is. Uh, EJ, thanks for doing this. Uh, really appreciate you sharing your story. Uh, I obviously know it, but I think it's important for others to hear. Absolutely. It. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for having me. And again, right. uh, su super excited uh, to see you here in a few weeks. Yeah, me too. Uh, for EJ, I'm Nick. This is another episode of Meet the Zor.